0: Good morning everybody. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited today. I'm always excited when I get a chance to share the word in a main service, but I'm excited today because I know that when I draw closer to Jesus, my life is better. Doesn't always mean that everything is coming up roses. But if I'm closer to Jesus today than I was yesterday, today's going to be a good day. If I'm closer to Jesus tomorrow than I was today, if I'm given tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be a good day. Uh, I want to welcome everybody online who's watching as well. My name is Ryan West. I'm the congregational care pastor here. And I just want to throw this out here. Uh, I got to meet a bunch of new people after first service. If I have never met you, I would love for you to come up, introduce yourself, your family, let me know how I can pray for you. Uh, some of you may have gotten phone calls from me from a 818 area code at times. That is a California number. I lived out there. Don't, don't, you know, hate me for that. I'm not trying to sell you a new warranty for your car or anything like that. I promise. Um, let's pray. Father, I pray today that we walk out of this service in a more intimate relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, that we would hear your voice more clearly, we would follow you more nearly, and we would love you more dearly than we ever have in our lives. Help me, your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So. Has anybody ever heard the song, Day by Day? Day by day, oh dear Lord, three things I pray. I won't go on. Probably made most famous by the musical, Godspell. But these words of this song are attributed to the Bishop Richard of Chichester. He lived from 1197 to 1297. 53, and it said that this was one of his prayers. And it says, day by day, O dear Lord, three things I pray. See thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly. The simple cry of a believer's heart. And it should be the simple cry of our hearts. It's the simple cry of Of my heart. I want to be closer to Jesus today than I ever have been. I want an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, only four chapters long, Judges, then Ruth. I think I have fallen more in love with the scripture reading through Ruth than I ever have. Just from a historical standpoint, this book that is only four chapters long holds so many spiritual truths, but from a historical point, and just FYI, I'm not spoiling anything, I hope, Ruth and Boaz, who we're going to be talking about today, get married, okay? If Ruth and Boaz never got married, then Obed would never have been born, who was the father of Jesse Jesse had never been born, then King David would never have been born. And King David, Jesus is of the line of David. So just from a historical standpoint, this is a really important book to us as a believer. But there's also a story behind the story. I'm going to give a little background of chapters one and two before we start in chapter three. In chapter one, Naomi and her husband. Elimelech, leave Bethlehem because there is a famine in the land. And they go to Moab. They have two sons. Elimelech dies. The two sons marry two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, and both those sons dies. So now you have three widows, Naomi, left with two widow daughter-in-laws. She says to her daughter-in-laws, "You all, you all need to leave. Go back to your families. I can't help you. Uh, even if I were to conceive children, would you even wait long enough for them to grow up so that you could could marry them?" Orpa leaves, and in chapter one, Ruth says to Naomi, "For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I live." Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I think it's important to note that Ruth puts her trust in the God of Israel. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And it says that Ruth clung to Naomi. So now, chapter 2... Ruth and Naomi are going back to Bethlehem. This is where Naomi's from. They know Naomi in Bethlehem. Uh, Ruth says to Naomi, Can I go glean in the barley fields? So this whole scene takes place during the barley harvest. Well, these fields happen to be owned by Boaz. Now, Boaz is a relative of Elimelech. And he is what is called a kinsman or family redeemer. And what that is, is that is a male relative who, according to various laws, had the privilege or responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, danger, or need. So Boaz actually meets Ruth in chapter 2. Because she's working with his servants, with the other ladies, uh, gleaning barley in the fields. Boaz notices Ruth and takes interest in her. And I actually believe that Boaz loved Ruth first. He he blesses her. He takes care of her in chapter 2. Now, the bachelor from Bethlehem, Boaz, marries the Moabite. Ruth from Moab, and they live happily ever after, okay? But there's a story behind the story. Boaz is a Christ-like character. Boaz is Ruth's earthly family kinsman redeemer. Jesus is our heavenly redeemer. Ruth represents us, the church... For the church is the bride of Christ. So the scene that we're going to look at today starts. This says three through five. We're actually going to start in verse one of chapter three. So there's the, there's the backstory. Now we'll get into the text. Chapter three, starting in verse one. Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, "My daughter, shouldn't I find rest?" For you. And I want you to remember that word rest. You can even circle it if you wanted to. So that you will be taken care of. Now isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. To winnow barley meant you would toss the barley up in the air. The chaff, the outer shell, the unusable part would blow away and the barley would fall down to the ground, the usable part. Now, verse three, this is the advice that Naomi gives to Ruth to draw closer to Boaz, her earthly redeemer. And it's the advice I'm going to give to you today on how we are to draw closer to Jesus, our heavenly redeemer. Verse three, wash, put on perfumed oil and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. Verse 5. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. Verse 6. She went down to the threshing floor And did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. That's where we're going to stop for now. So five ways to draw closer to Jesus. Five pieces of advice. Now, I want you all to remember that Christianity is not a code. Christianity is not a cause. It is not a creed. It's not conduct. It's not a church. It's Christ. And the mark of every true Christian is his or her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the true desire of every child of God is to know Jesus intimately. We want more than redemption. We want a relationship. We want more than the gifts. We want the giver of the gifts. We want and need Jesus Christ to be real to us. The apostle Paul said, Oh, that I might know him. Now, Paul knew him, knew him spiritually, knew him intellectually, but he wanted more. And you see, you can know about somebody without really knowing Somebody. I can know about George Washington or Abraham Lincoln because I read a history book. I can read this Bible front to back, back to front, and know about Jesus, but not really know him. I don't merely want to know about Jesus, I want to know him intimately. And when I'm taken from this world or the Lord Jesus returns, I want to meet someone face-to-face that I've known heart-to-heart. Now here's the advice that Naomi gives. Point number one. Be freshly cleansed. Wash yourself. Naomi says to Ruth, You need to be clean. You need to wash yourself. Take a bath. Before you go and see Boaz, because remember, uh, Ruth is a prospective bride. This is a marriage proposal. You need to be clean. James 4, 8, and most of us know this, and we like the first part of this verse. Draw near to God, and he will what? Draw near to you. But we don't do the next part. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James says, if you're going to draw near to God, you must be clean. You cannot worship with dirty hands, defiled hearts, and double minds. Yet so many times, and I've done this too, I rush into the presence of God without asking for forgiveness of my sins. Lord, am I clean before you? Is there anything that I've done to grieve you, to grieve the Holy Spirit? You know, a priest in the Old Testament, if they came before the presence of God defiled, they were in danger of death. So is it any wonder that many times our worship, our prayer, seems like nothing more than an empty routine? Are we coming before the Lord washed? Are we coming before the Lord clean? So the first step in drawing closer to Jesus Christ, is we must be clean. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Many complain, my prayer life is dead, and my prayers aren't answered, it's fruitless. Listen to Isaiah 1, 15 through 16. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Now, why would God do this? Why would the Lord do that? He says, your hands are full of blood. Wash yourself make yourself clean, remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good. You cannot come near to God with dirty hands, defiled hearts. The word says that if you hold iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear your prayers. That is not a prayer promise I like. In the same book, Isaiah 52, 11 says, Depart, depart, go out from there. Do no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. Now, can you imagine a bride wanting to go before her bridegroom to be intimate with him, yet she is dirty, smelly, grimy, stinky, And unclean. So many of us do that with the Lord. I want an intimate relationship with you. But we're not willing to be clean. We're not willing to deal with the sin in our lives. Having an intimate relationship with the almighty God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ his son. Requires that we be cleansed. And ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking about a bath you took 30 years ago. We're not talking about a bath you took last week, a shower you took last week. This is a daily cleansing that must happen. So, well, then how are we cleansed? Practically, how are we cleansed? Number one is we're cleansed and we're washed by the Word, the Word of God. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26 says, Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her. Here it is. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish by the washing of water with the word the word of god is to your spirit what water is to your body james says the bible's like a mirror it shows us what we are it reveals the unclean the sin in us you see cuz when we read the bible we don't just read the bible The Bible also reads us. And that might be why some people don't like reading the Bible. Because it reveals that we are sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God and are in desperate need of a Savior. Now the good thing is, is not only does the word reveal the sin, but it also reveals the solution to sin, praise God, through the relationship with Jesus his son. None shall come to the father except through the son. So we are cleansed by the word one, and we are also cleansed and washed by the blood. First John one, seven through nine. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Praise the Lord. Naomi said to Ruth, wash, be clean before you go to your Redeemer Boaz. And that's what we're to do before we go in front of our heavenly Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the word points out the sin, reminds us of the blood, and then the word promises us if we confess our sins, do you know the rest? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, it says if we confess our sins, not our sin. So what's the difference? You know, the Lord convicted me of this (laughs) a couple weeks ago. I was just going, Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. That doesn't cut it. I needed to say, Lord, I got angry. Lord, I had a lustful thought. Lord, I was lazy. Lord, I didn't do what you asked me to do. I needed to name it, nail it, agree with God that it was wrong. Then I confess my sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And by the way, I just want to say this. This has been burning in my mind for the past couple days, I said it in the first service, when God calls you clean, let no man call you unclean. So if you are dealing with unforgiveness today, the word says you are washed as white as snow, as far as the east is to the west, and he remembers your sin no more. Corey Tinboon said, He throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness and puts up a no fishing sign. <laughs> so if you're dealing with unforgiveness, the Lord's forgiven you and you are free and free indeed in Jesus' name. So point number one is to be freshly cleansed. Point number two is be fragrantly consecrated. Now, Naomi was smart. She was a smart woman. She knew this was a marriage proposal. She said, Ruth, honey, you got to take a bath, and you got to smell good. Say said, you need to put on some perfume. Anoint yourself. Ruth, you got to smell sweet. You got to be nice to be near. Come with a pleasing aroma. You know, before I got put on full time at the church, I would have to wake up uh, and be out of the house before Sarah was up to get ready and go about you know her day. Well, now we get to get ready together. And I'll see her in the bathroom and she's making sure her hair looks good. She's making sure she's dressed nice. And I see her put a couple of spritz of that perfume on and I walk in that bathroom and I put my arms around her and... Oh, it smells good. She is nice to be near. And that's what Naomi says for Ruth to do. Come with an anointing. Now, not only were brides anointed, but priests were anointed. This meant a consecration. They were set aside. We are called to be consecrated. Set aside. Different. Song of Solomon is also a picture of Christ and the church, the bride and the bridegroom. Listen to verse 12 through 14 in chapter 4. It says, My sister, my bride, you are a locked garden, a locked garden and a sealed spring. Your branches are a paradise of pomegranates with choice fruits, henna with nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloe with all the best spices. They didn't have Macy's. They didn't have Ulta. They would go out into the field and they would compound an anointing oil and they would wear it. And the very fragrance would speak of love and intimacy. Well, if I'm cleansed and I'm washed by the word, if I'm cleansed and I'm washed by the blood, well, then how am I anointed? What gives me, what gives you a sweet smelling fragrance to your heavenly bridegroom, your heavenly redeemer. Folks, your anointing is the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2, 27. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. When you are clean, when you are washed, and when you are Filled with the Holy Spirit, and you come before the presence of God, He inhales and says, Oh, that smells nice. You are nice to be near. It's the Holy Spirit, the Word says, gives us the fragrance of Christ. You want an intimate relationship with Jesus? You want to be closer to the Lord? Be surrendered. To the Holy Spirit. Be surrendered to the Holy Spirit so that he can compound you into a sweet smelling savor and that your very life will smell like incense to him. You ever met any some, somebody like that? They're so anointed with the Holy Spirit they walk into a room and the atmosphere changes. It's almost like you can smell the incense on them now i'm not talking about physically these are just emblems of a deeper spiritual truth in a person's life i want to be so close to the holy spirit the word talks about walking in step with the spirit hand in hand with the spirit i'm so close that my very life is a sweet smelling savor to the lord jesus christ Dr. A.W. Tozer said, if God were to take the Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what the church is doing would go right on and nobody would know the difference. Isn't that sad? The anointing of the Holy Spirit consecrates us, sets us apart, sets us aside. We should not look like the world. We're called to be different. Point number three. Be fitly clothed. Naomi said to Ruth, be washed, smell good, and put on your best duds. Wear your best clothes. We said it. Ruth is a prospective bride. Put on your best, Ruth. Get dressed up, Ruth. Ruth has been a widow. She's been wearing widow's garments, garments of mourning, and she's been in the field gleaning and working. Her clothes are dusty and dirty. Get rid of those clothes, Ruth, because you're going to see Boaz. That must have been wonderful good news to Ruth. I had a memory pop up on my Facebook page. It was around this time, two years ago. It's a picture of Sarah with the sign, and it said, she said, yes, To the dress. Now, I don't know what was going through Sarah's mind, but I hope it was joy. I'm going to get to be with my bridegroom. Hopefully, she was saying, Lord, thank you for the blessing, not, Lord, I hope I made the right decision. (laughs) But that was wonderful good news for Ruth. You are going to go see Boaz. You know what the gospel of good news is? Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because He has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to the brokenhearted. Ruth had been brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Ruth had been taken captive by sin, sorrow, and death to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn in Zion. This poor broken hearted woman needed comfort. And then it says to give them a crown of beauty for ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning. And the garment of praise instead of despair. Praise the Lord. This is the way Ruth is to dress up. Ruth. Put off your ashes of sorrow. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. Ruth, put away your mourning. I'm going to give you the joy, the oil of joy for mourning. And Ruth, Ruth, take off the garments of heaviness because I'm going to give you the garments of praise. When we come before our heavenly redeemer the Lord Jesus Christ we need to come with beauty with joy and with praise. Well Ryan how do I get those clothes? Read this with me. Isaiah 61:10. I delight greatly in the Lord my soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with jewels. You want Jesus to be real to you? I have a piece of advice. Pull some groans out of your prayers and shove in some hallelujahs. Come before his presence with singing and praise, and joy. Put on the garments of praise, and you will find that the Lord Jesus, your heavenly redeemer, will be more real to you than he has been with your old, stale, stayed, take it or leave it prayers. Point number four. Be fully committed. Get your Bibles and look at verse, middle of verse three says, go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. Now what does this mean? Naomi is telling Ruth, you need to place yourself at the feet of your Redeemer. Folks, the most sacred place on earth is at the feet of Jesus. This was a sign of full commitment. She goes to the threshing floor, finds where Boaz is lying, pulls back the corner of his long garment, and there at his feet she places herself. She is saying, Boaz, I'm willing to take you as my redeemer husband. Now there is nothing dirty here, There is nothing indecent here. The threshing floor could have had multiple families on it. This was not something that was done in some dark, secret, secluded place. Down in verse 11, and we'll get to it later, Boaz actually says to Ruth, I know you're a virtuous woman. I know you're a woman of noble character. There is nothing dirty, nothing impure. She is saying, I am fully committed to you. So I ask you, Can you have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ if you are not fully committed to him? The answer is no. We need to ask ourselves daily, am I cleansed? Am I fragrantly consecrated? Am I fitly clothed? And have I fully committed myself to my redeemer by placing myself at his feet? It grieves me, but so many times I'm a Martha and I'm not a Mary. I get caught up in other things and I don't just place myself at the feet of my Redeemer. The most sacred place on earth. It's not a seat in a church. It's not at this altar. It's not at this pulpit. It's not in a temple somewhere. It's at the feet of Jesus when you are fully committed to Him. I surrendered my life, laid myself at the feet of Jesus in my car right out there on Clays Mill Road, and every single day He has become more real to me day by day. Praise the Lord. Point number five. Be faithfully compliant. You not only have to be fully committed, but you have to be faithfully Compliant. Verse 5. So Ruth said to her, Naomi, I will do everything that you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother in law had charged her to do. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of a pile of barley. She came in secretly, uncovered his feet, And lay down. And I find this funny. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. He asked, Who are you? She says, I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing. You see, not only was Ruth a hearer of the word, but Ruth was a doer. Of the word. How can we be near to Jesus if we're not willing to obey him? How can we take place at his feet if we're not willing to hear his word? Naomi says, He will tell you what to do. Ruth says, I will do it. We need to say, Yes, Lord, whatever it is, yes to your will, yes to your way. John 7, 16 through 17. This is Jesus speaking. says, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. If you surrender your will to the Lord God, it says He'll teach you. He will speak to you. You know, so many times I think we pray, Lord, Tell me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do. And then our response is, I'll tell you whether or not I want to do it. No. Lord, tell me what you want me to do. Yes, I will do it. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. One of the greatest verses in the Bible about knowing the Lord intimately, John 14, 21, I love this verse, says, and this is Jesus speaking, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. If you are fully compliant, the Lord says, I'll show myself to you. I will be real to you. Now, I've already alluded to this once, and I'm going to say it, and some of you might not agree with me at first, but you don't know God by reading this Bible. Not alone. You can walk into this church, you can walk into a seminary with this Bible under your arm and be a backslider. What good is it if you know Hebrew, but you don't know him? What good is it if you know Greek, but you don't know God? Bible study gives you knowledge about God. Obedience gives you knowledge of God. And there's a difference. Boaz was near to Ruth... Because she said, I will do what he says. I will be faithfully compliant to his will. Now, I want you to listen to Boaz's response. This is fantastic. Starting in verse 10. Then he said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. So he blesses her. You have shown more kindness now than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Reading on. Next, he reassured her. Verse 11 Don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say. Since all the people in my town, here it is, know that you are a woman of noble character. Now, you read on to verse 12, you actually find out that there was another kinsman redeemer, family redeemer, who was in line before Boaz, who could have redeemed Ruth. But Boaz reassured her. He said, don't be afraid, my daughter. He spoke peace to her. Ruth cared. Ruth knew that Boaz cared. Boaz loved her. And I said it, I believe Boaz loved Ruth first. He took first initiative. And the Bible says we love because he first loved us. And John four eighteen says, and it's that perfect love that casts out all fear. It's not our ability to love perfectly. It's our heavenly Redeemer's ability to love us perfectly, beyond measure, anything that we could ever dream or imagine. And that's what casts out fear, is because of his perfect love. And then, next, verse 15. This is my favorite. He replenishes her. Verse 15. He told Ruth, this is Boaz. Bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled, shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl and she went into town. So much barley that one commentator said it probably weighed 60 pounds. She didn't need that much barley, but he replenished her because he loves her. And our Redeemer, our heavenly Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ will go above and beyond and give exceedingly more than we could ever imagine. He came to give life and give it abundantly. He loads her down because he loves her. And then in verse 16, verse 16 and 17, Ruth goes back into town, goes to Naomi, and Naomi says, Hey, what happened? She's wanting to know, are you the next Mrs. Boaz? And Ruth says, oh, mama, look at all the blessing. And then, worship team, you can come out. I said there were five pieces of advice, but there's actually six. Naomi gives her last piece of advice to Ruth. Verse 18, very last verse in the chapter. I told you to remember that word rest. Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go. For he, the man, Boaz, won't rest unless he resolves this today. The man won't rest unless he resolves this today. She says, Ruth, you've done your part. Now sit, wait, be still, and be at rest. Because the man won't rest until the work is finished today. You know, the first time we see Jesus after his birth, he's in the temple. His parents lost him. And they go into the temple and they say, what are you doing? He says, don't you know I must be about my father's work? John chapter 4 verse 34, Jesus said, "My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work." I think of Jesus, our heavenly redeemer, on his road, to Galgotha's road to Calvary. He's being beaten having his beard plucked out. And they're saying, tell me who did that to you, Jesus? Who hit you, Jesus? He could have told them. But he said, I can't rest because the work's not finished yet. Isaiah said he was beaten so badly he didn't even appear to be like a human. I picture him on that cross And they're saying, come down from there, Jesus. Call the angels down, Jesus. He could have done it. Praise God he didn't. Because he said, I can't rest until the work is finished. And it wasn't until he finally said, it is finished. And he gave up his life. And that blood, that precious blood was shed for you. And it was shed for me so that one day we can enter into an eternal rest with our Heavenly Father. He won't rest until the work is done. And you know what? He's not done working because He's working in every single heart in this room. Whether you know it or not, He's working The Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. You know what? Maybe some of you in here would say, Ryan, point number one, I'm not cleansed. I'm not clean. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your heavenly redeemer, as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've known Jesus, but you've got sin, you've got something unclean that you have not dealt with. Today's the day to deal with it. Maybe you would say, Ryan, I just want more of his anointing. I want to be fragrantly consecrated. Or maybe you'd say, Ryan, I've had, I've had garments of heaviness on. I've had garments of sorrow on. The Lord is saying for you today to shed off those clothes and put on the garments of praise the garments of salvation and the robes of righteousness. Maybe you'd be like me at times and say, I've been a Martha. I've had time for so many other things, but I haven't had time just to place myself at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you've been hearing his voice. He's been calling you to do something, but you haven't been compliant You haven't said yes to his will, yes to his way. Maybe you're in one of those camps. I know I'm in those camps at times. We're going to sing some more songs. This is the most important time of the service. This altar is going to be open. There'll be people to pray with you if you need prayer. Or maybe you need to come down and do some business with the Lord. And say, God, I just want you, Jesus. Draw near to me, God. So dear Heavenly Father, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray you do the work that only you can do. You know every man, you know every woman's heart. Come, Holy Spirit, in your power. And during this time, may we simply say yes to you. Whatever it is, Lord, yes, and that we would see you more clearly, follow you more nearly, and love you more dearly than we ever have. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altars are open. We give you praise. We give you praise, Lord. Yes. We come before you with praise and joy because our heavenly Redeemer lives. And Lord, we place ourselves at your feet, fully compliant, fully surrendered to you, Lord. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Ryan, I have never given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to pray with me this prayer. Lord Jesus, I recognize you as my heavenly redeemer. I'm a sinner. I am unclean. And in need of a savior. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. White as snow. And give me a place. In heaven with you. For eternity. If you prayed that prayer. I want you to come find somebody and tell them. Come find me. And tell me. Before you leave today. Heavenly Father bless your people and Lord today I pray we leave closer to the Lord Jesus Christ than we ever have been and I pray we're closer tomorrow than we have been today because we're seeking to be closer to our heavenly redeemer every day of our lives we bless your name Lord And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, we all said, amen. Have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget to go pick up your children. I've been told they'll be sold if you don't. Just kidding. God bless you all. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for more information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.